0: Ghost Ship Radio Network, sail onward. What's up folks, welcome to episode 26, take 789,005 of the Adjacent Hex Podcast. My name is Zach... And trying not to lose the audio from his side of the recording is done. How's it going, man? What on earth happened last month? <laughs> oh, okay. So, we, uh,
1: so we've been doing this show for a while now. Yep. And I have never lost a recording.
0: I have, but you haven't.
1: Right. I have never lost a recording. Well, my streak ended, and I actually lost the last two recordings.
0: <laughs> yep. The last two. And... Uh, we we definitely tried to record this a couple other times, and my microphones weren't working. Yeah, that's true, too. The, uh, the last one we did, we had to s- restart two or three
1: times. And then I
0: got fed up and just switched microphones.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is the... You know, it's 26. It's, it's double 13. Yeah, and the cursed we are, 26. We are, well, the, the first time, I lost 17 minutes. And then the second one, we went and we sat down to record it, and your microphone cut out a couple minutes in. We mm-hmm. started over, and your microphone cut out a couple minutes in, and we started over. And then we recorded the whole episode, and I lost the first forty-four minutes. Well,
0: to be fair, your computer crashed when you went to yeah, play it back. But only the recording stuff; everything
1: right. else was working. It was it was wild, and I was able to recover some of it. But it's so bizarre. Uh, but I did some tests, and I had a successful recording the other night.
0: All right. I mean, computers have gremlins, right? Like that's that's just a thing
1: that happens. It is Gremlins. It's it's a it's a Vic Valentine episode in the making.
0: <laughs> Either that, or an episode <laughs> of a game that I got to play at PAX that I'm really excited to talk about. But I'll hold off for that for a minute because you might have noticed at the top of our show that we had something really special to show you guys this month, oh, yeah. and that is our brand new theme music from All Star Sentinels of the Multiverse composer Jean-Marc Giffen. It is so cool to have Jean-Marc on on board with our show and uh, and composing a little music for us. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, he sent us he sent us this song and said he wasn't quite
1: finished with it. There are few tweaks he might want to make, but we we turned it on and we both loved it. So uh, absolutely, thank you to Jean-Marc. This is this is awesome. And it's been uh, a
0: long time in the works. Like uh, it is. It when is. I say that, I mean he's been working on this song for us since like episode. Four or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like Pax two years ago. Yeah, it was. And like every time I run into him, he's like, "I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm working <laughs> on it. I promise it's it's coming." And I was like, "Dude, you're doing this pro bono for us." And yeah. like whenever, man, we got a great uh, little placeholder music. We're we're ready for you as soon as you are. And like it's he's been working on it since our old producer Jody asked him to do it. We didn't even ask him.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, it's been a while.
0: Uh, so we are we are just super thrilled to to be working with him and uh, and be able to share that with you all yeah because he
1: does this for a living so mm-hmm. uh <laughs> he's got to get paid yeah man's got to eat or we don't have a song at all exactly so, <laughs> so big big uh, thanks to Jean-Marc. yeah yeah we love it thank you very much
0: so uh i mentioned that i've been playing a game that uh, reminded me a little or that gremlins reminded me a little of and at pax uh, i have a great story uh, my friend Alex and I were working at the Greater Than Games booth, as we often do at game shows. And our boss, Craig, came up to us and said, Hey, guys, uh, Chris Kirkman wants to talk to you over in the Unpub area. Now, we've been dem- demoing Fate of the Elder Gods. So we were like, oh, no, what have we messed up? Like, we've, we've got a rule completely wrong or something like that. And Craig goes, no, 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 that's fine. Just just go over and talk to him. So we did. We go over to the Unpub area, and Chris goes, it, 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 his face just lights up. He's like, ooh, yes, good, you're here. Give me your phone number, and I'm going to text you in, in just a minute as soon as I have some table space. Go get some food or whatever. About five minutes later, he texts us and says, hey, I've got a table, come on down. So we come back to the Unpub area and he's got, now we expected to see, you know, just more Fate of the Elder Gods. Turns out he had a different game in mind for us. It is a game called Those Meddling Kids. It's not out yet. We're hoping it comes to Kickstarter very soon because the game is terrific. It's a little story-based narrative-driven card game where you are a bunch of kids on bikes, you know, stranger things kind of thing, eighties kids on bikes. And you're running around trying to protect the town you live in from imminent threat. Things like, uh, there's references to the movie. It there's probably going to be a gremlin scenario, uh, Alex and I suggested that there should be a a scenario based on the sandlot. All those 80s, early 90s movie tropes fit perfectly into this game. Now, unfortunately, I can't talk a lot about the plot because it's like the plot is very specific to the game. But what I can say is there's a time counter. You have certain times of the day where you can go out and interact with the environment and, and collect items and try and solve these puzzles. But other times of the day, you, for example, have to be at school or you have to be in bed or you have to be at dinner either at your house or someone else's there is a mechanic that you can sort of bribe your little sister and you know here uh, have some money and shut up kind of thing <laughs> which i mean very much happens in the movies the game is so much fun and deserves to be made big adjacent hex seal of approval on those meddling kids it's amazing <laughs> I, so I know i believe you got to see it at least right I got to see the game because I was talking to Chris. I was
1: I was hanging out at the booth kind of after the main floor closed down and it was kind of empty over there and he had an interview. And then after his interview, we were just talking and he actually pulled out those meddling kids and showed me some of the stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't get to play it. But I heard uh, a couple of the people in the booth did get to and everybody that I spoke to absolutely loved the game. So I'm really excited and I'll hope it does get to Kickstarter and hope I get a chance to play it at some point. Um yeah. But the reason he actually pulled those meddling kids out was because he had another component in that box that he wanted to show me ah, about yes. a different game. And that was the original Volcar to Fireball
0: Island. Yes, it was. In fact, we uh, we used his little Volcar as uh, a representation of something else in, in uh, those meddling kids as well. <laughs> which we ran out of pieces. He told me he brought
1: it to PAX because he wanted to compare it to Volcar in the new Fireball Island. And how does it stack up? It's about half the size of the new one. Oh, the new good one Lord. is absolutely gigantic. Maybe more than twice as big. It's absolutely huge. Good. And gracious. I know this because PAX East this year was the kickoff of the Fireball Island tour. And I was actually able to play the game at PAX
0: now is this this is the the new like... this is
1: the new version that was up on kickstarter that i mentioned that i backed i was backer i think 333 uh and that's because like i had to refresh the page and couldn't do it fast enough <laughs> like uh, How first
0: in line for fireball
1: island i was so excited for this game but and i got to play it at pax i'll play a five-player game mm-hmm. how many does that go up to Up to five. So four in the base game, and then there's an expansion that adds uh, a fifth player. Okay. And so uh, when we played the game, we played with that expansion, and that added, I think, boulders, a fifth player, a couple of extra cards, and little smaller marbles that represented snakes. Huh. And you got hit by one of those. You got a poison token, which slowed you down on the trail. Mm-hmm. And I cannot remember the last time I laughed so hard playing a game.
0: Well, I mean, could it have been the time you and I were playing uh, the Six Million Dollar Man?
1: It's a different
0: kind of humor.
1: Okay. Because Fireball Island is kind of laugh at your own misery <laughs> type okay. game. Okay, yeah, that's true. Like fair. when you get, you know, your character gets hit by a fireball, a marble... Gets knocked down halfway down the trail and then before you even get a chance to stand back up somebody else does it and it's completely random and you get hit again and then again. And then again, <laughs> and you're just kidding. Like one character got stuck in the river and kept getting pushed downstream. Oh, gosh. Uh, and which is not a place where characters are even supposed to be. It was really hilarious. Oof. Like I said, I did get to play the game. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely satisfied. So happy that I that I backed it on Kickstarter. There were three expansions available on the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up not getting any of them. Okay. Uh, I just, there was enough in the base game, and maybe five players is almost too many, actually. Okay. I'm thinking, I haven't, I've only played the one time, and it was with five players, but I, I feel, I just get the sense that this game is going to shine in kind of that three to four range. I, I mean, that's only after one play, so don't hold me to it, but that's just sort of the sense I got.
0: You know, we'll talk about that phenomenon coming up a little bit later on in the show too. But what I wanted to mention is, you are not alone by any stretch of the imagination in your just unbridled excitement for Fireball Island. <laughs> our, our friend Alex um, just a, he he backed it almost as fast as you did, and he went hold, uh, full bore, like he was like, yeah. "I want everything for this game." So, I mean, obviously, we'll definitely get a chance to play every every component of that game at some point. But right. like, what was interesting, I was having a conversation with a couple of people. Uh, once again at the Greater Than Games booth, about how you played Fireball Island as a, as a kid and, and clearly Chris did as well. Right. Considering he still has Volcar. He's actually, he told me he has two
1: copies of Fireball Island, which is really impressive. And I, I I wish I had my original copy. It probably doesn't hold up to today's gaming standards. Right. But it was just, even even as just a something to have, the board itself was incredible. It was so much fun.
0: Well, what's interesting is, like, I am excited about it because you are excited about it. I have no right. nostalgic connection <laughs> to that game at all. But because of how excited you are and how excited Alex is and, and Chris and a whole bunch of other people, like, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game showing up because I want to know. play it. I want to understand what is so cool about this game. You're getting aboard the hype train. Yeah, it's like I'm not hyped enough to buy it myself uh, because they they recently were like, here, we're going to open up the Pledge Manager. Anybody else want to buy it? And I was like, well, no, but thank you. Thank you for the offer. Yeah, yeah. it's also, it's a kid's game. Right. I mean, there was enough there.
1: I was entertained and it it was worth coming back to. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also, you know, when my daughter's a few years older, we'll be able to play it right which is which is a big thing too and then even when i was there the guy demoing the game made a comment to, somebody asked him a question about something something and i don't remember what it was and i remember his answer being like well it's a game for 8 year olds <laughs> <laughs> like that was his direct response and i was like yeah it actually is it's like it's just a great it's a great family game right that also scales well and can be played by a group of older people
0: See, that's, that's high praise, and reminds yeah. me also of another game that I played this past month and that was, l- like, truly beloved, and that's called U- Leaders of Euphoria. Now, oh, on this show years. in the past, I've been pretty vocal about the fact that Euphoria Build a Better Dystopia is the one game that if I had to choose one in my collection to take with me to a desert island and have forever, and that would be the only game I could ever play, Euphoria would right. be it.
1: That's right. And every time you bring that game up, I like to remind everyone, I'm the one who got you that game for your birthday.
0: Yes, but you were not the one who introduced <laughs> me to it. No,
1: Jack just back. bought it for you.
0: Yep, I had to throw that back in your face. So as soon as Leaders of Euphoria showed up on Kickstarter, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, and like it was said, it was very clear that it's a simpler, lighter, fair game, um, that it, it's basically just a reskinning of Good Cop, Bad Cop. And I was like, you know what? This is fine. I can play this with my students and, and they'll at least appreciate it on some level. I was not emotionally and mentally prepared for the level of vigor with which they took to this game. <laughs> I brought it with me. It happened to be in my car because I was going to play it with my Tuesday night group. Okay. Um, and I was at the school for a after school event. So we were just waiting for people to show up to this event, uh, you know, townsfolk and whatnot. And I was like, all right, guys, I've got a new game if, if you're interested in playing something other than Laser Riders. Which, they, don't get me wrong, they like Laser Riders quite a lot. Well, Laser Riders is also limited to four, right? Correct. And Leaders of Euphoria is open to eight. They, they loved it. And we played like ten games just sitting there. It takes like five to seven minutes. It's Real super quick, quick. Okay. It's a little bit of a bigger box because I you know I have the Kickstarter deluxe edition, right. blah, blah, blah. But it could easily boil down to a little rabbit-sized box, uh, you know, the, the, the small ones that... Uh, Games like Flux are in, or Resistance, Coup, those type of. Correct, and and it like I said, it plays really, really fast. So now every Friday, they're begging me to bring the game in, and every after school event, they're like, "Do you have Leaders of Euphoria?" They even invited me to their graduation party, the eighth graders, what, like a week ago, and they were like, "If you don't have Leaders of Euphoria with you, don't bother showing up." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, thanks, you lot. That wow. makes me feel great." No, no, hey, you rate. Right. <laughs> So, what was interesting about it is we played at the graduation party with a full boat of eight players. Right. It was bad. Like really? this game that was super great with like four, five, six players. Yeah. It was bad. Bad. What's the difference? Just too long between turns or? Not really. There's, I think it's because the game still plays in like 10 minutes. Add Real a couple quick. minutes just because there's more players. Right. There's so much to keep track of that you just lose it and you're just okay. aiming ray guns at random people. So the game basically <laughs> plays out that each player has three cards face down representing uh, members of either Euphorians or Subterrans. The objective right. of the game is to assassinate the leader of the opposing team. So if you have two or more Euphorians, you are considered or on the Euphorian team. If you have two or more uh, Subterrans, you're considered to be on the Subterran team. But okay. if you have the leader of either one of those factions, regardless of what el- whatever else is face down in, your, in front of you, you are that faction. Hard stop. Okay. So there's there's one leader for each side, I assume? Correct. You can interrogate okay. by looking at someone's face down card and putting it back. You can flip a card face up to either take a ray gun or use an artifact. The artifacts give you special powers. My personal favorite one is the uh, human contact avoidance device, which is a pair of rubber gloves.
1: <laughs> nice that's a good sense of humor I like that
0: yeah you can you know do other things you can, at, the, at the end of your turn you can you know change your facing of, your, of a ray gun that you might have or you can fire a ray gun or things like that um, okay and, and the objective is to shoot the person with the leader of the opposing faction now if you shoot okay. someone and they don't have a leader they become a wastelander which has its own whole separate set of victory conditions that very rarely occurs. With eight players, there's just so much information, most of it hidden on the board, that you're just right. basically taking a ray gun and pointing it at someone blindly. And that's just the best way to play because it's there's just too much for too the much average human on. brain to keep track of in a game that is that quick and sort of loosey-goosey. Right, right. It sounds kind of like a
1: combination between like the resistance and bang.
0: Yes, in, in many ways, Just yeah. Just not having played it. Yeah. It's, it, it evokes the same sort of, oh, you're a dirty euphorian. Get out of right. my wasteland. You know, whatever. When we played Bang,
1: we played a big game. And mm-hmm. so in Bang, you have like the sheriff and it could be a hidden role and there's deputies and they're, they're hidden roles. Right. And so you can end up having like bandits shooting bandits and the sheriff shooting a deputy and the deputy shooting the sheriff. But you kind of have to figure out who people are.
0: Right. through their actions and stuff. Right, yes, exactly. But whenever
1: Chad and I play a game, we literally just shoot each other first.
0: So unfortunately, you get penalized for doing that. Oh, okay. There's only four ray guns in the box. And once those ray guns ah. are claimed, nobody else can take a ray gun. Okay. So by shooting your ray gun, you have to drop your ray gun. So it gives somebody else a yeah. weapon? Yeah. So there's strategic uh. shenanigans to not playing it the way you and Chad play Bang.
1: Yeah, you can just, uh, you just go kind of wild. Mm-hmm.
0: Correct. If, you, if you're not too concerned about winning.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, okay, so it kind of limits that factor. So so it really does sound like maybe five or six would be better because then you have people who don't have weapons who have... So it, it kind of motivates you to be careful with how you shoot. But it yeah. seems like at eight, that, that just seems like a lot.
0: I mean, it's, there's more to it than that. Like, you, you do limit the number of ray guns right, based right, on how right. many players. But, like, it's still... Oh, okay. I, I do claim that the butter zone for that game is... is Four, five, six players. Four, five, six. And, and we have had a ball playing that game. And they after I went downstairs, after we played that big eight players game, and the students took the game and, and played it a couple more times, and they were like, yeah, it's better with four, five, six players. That's good to know. Just because of that information? Yeah, exactly. Too much? Okay. So. Um, okay. so there's that interestingly like that's not the only game that i love that i've played recently that wasn't as good this time around the game of nightmare that old oh, vhs4 yeah. game that eric and i thought was just the dumbest fun game we've ever played actually got bad bad like objectively bad it was not fun oh wow is that just because the that you know what's coming on the tape or not at all you're you're not paying your full attention to it so, it actually right. does have some replayability. You kind of forget what the gatekeeper's going to do. We should also probably, for anybody who hasn't heard past episodes, maybe explain what Nightmare is. <laughs> Nightmare is a simple roll and move board game where you also have to interact with an on screen persona known as the Gatekeeper. The Gatekeeper. And uh, the Gatekeeper tries very hard to stick players into the black hole, which effectively means they lose a turn or several turns in many cases. Okay. <laughs> and the objective is to collect a certain number of keys and then arrive in the center of the board where you have to draw a one of the fear cards that's written down at the beginning of the game, and if, it, if you don't draw yours, you win. There's more shenanigans to it, but that's the basic premise. Right. right. We had okay. an absolute ball, mostly because just it's full of dumb, schlocky garbage. You've played it before and really liked it, yeah. right? Uh, it was myself, yeah. Ian, and Eric, and we adored that game and to the point where I now own a copy and our, and our friend Emily bought a copy as well. And we, you, this game okay. is horrifically out of print <laughs> and, and you have to buy it on eBay, but it's only like 25 bucks on eBay or something like that. That's not bad. Yeah, and really, you need a VCR. Well, you can get it on YouTube, YouTube. right? Yeah, I think we use YouTube. So we had one player who was kind of being a sourpuss about playing games at all. And like, I'm thinking to myself, this is at a board game day. Like, why are you here if you don't want to play board games? And yeah. I think what it came down to is this person was being, wanted to be competitive and wanted to play competitive games where the rest of us who had open table space were not really up for that. Either right. that or if we were going to play a competitive game, we wanted to play something with high complexity or high enough complexity to make it interesting for us. Right. Fate of the Elder Gods being an example. So, but we had, we had set up for Nightmare. We were like, all right, let's 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 play this game. It's not long. It takes no more than an hour because there's a timer on it. Right. Because they, they can only fit so much in this. Right. <laughs> it, it, there is a countdown timer that if the countdown timer reaches zero, the gatekeeper wins. Okay. There's there's an urgency to it. Mm-hmm. This person that we were playing with was just so grouchy about it that it kind of ruined what should have been a good experience for the rest of us. Now, I'm still looking forward to playing it again. I've already ordered Nightmare 2 on VHS, which like, I believe the only thing that comes <laughs> in the Nightmare 2 game is a different VHS tape. I think it's just an expansion. Okay. Um, okay. but it's not as good because uh, the gatekeeper becomes a player character and one of the other player characters is then replaced by sorry the gatekeeper I say it like that because he has, he has the guy who plays him has a bit of an accent Doug and I both maintain that uh, if that game ever gets redone restoration games take note they, they should get Tommy Wiseau to do the voice of the gatekeeper because it'd be just that I feel that like funny. he'd do it too. Oh I know right? I, it just, oh, I don't plans. know why I get that
1: sense but I feel like it's something he would sign on It just sign seems on, like the kind of board. thing
0: that would be up up his alley. I don't know anyway. Yeah. So like it's, it's a fun game and it should be fun. You just, I think, part of it is you have to know what you're getting into ahead of time, and I don't think we explained it well and adequately for for this particular player to really like appreciate and, the and just goofy stupidity that is this game.
1: I guess if if it wasn't something you wanted to participate in, yeah, you kind and of you feel felt kind of stuck, but forced. It, but I don't know. I would have fun with that. Oh yeah,
0: no, you you. This uh, is you get, it's definitely your kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> considering how much you and I loved. Uh, the foolish six million dollar man game so there's
1: there's there's a couple of them right there's nightmare one two three four and then there's a atmosphere is
0: the DVD atmosphere
1: version. and I remember seeing atmosphere commercials mm-hmm. yep and I didn't realize they were the same the same thing and I always I never bought one but I always thought it was kind of interesting yeah. I think the only game like that I ever played was seen it you ever play a scene it yeah game? I've played
0: seen it I it's seen it is so it's fine yeah it's it's, fine. Tr- it's good it's for a
1: party game. People can, you can put it on and everybody can kind of play. As a game, the mechanics are kind of weak, but right. a, as an activity, I, it's entertaining. Does that make sense? Yep, yeah, absolutely. I guess. I don't know. Absolutely. That's my opinion of seeing it for no reason. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Fate of the Elder Gods. I
0: did. Fate of the Elder Okay, so. This was the same packs. Sure was. As a matter of fact, it was moments after we played those, med- those meddling kids. Chris said, all right, I know what you guys are waiting for. Don't worry. I have it. <laughs> and we're like, what? What, what are we waiting for? Like, this, we're just riffing ideas. Out. Like, this game is terrific. And he's like, no, 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 no. I've got the next expansion for Fate of the Elder Gods. Alex woo. and I were like, woo, <laughs> now we're talking. You guys are all about that. Oh, we are. I mean, we've demoed it at what, four conventions now. Like, we're s- sort of the go-to or, or rather it is sort of our go-to game when we're demoing something at the store we're just like let's play Fate of the Elder Gods we've got a copy let's jam we right. actually did it this past week as a matter of fact hmm. i like that game yeah it's it's a good game it's fun quick quick to teach uh very very convention or store floor demo game <laughs> honestly alex and i have never played with beasts from beyond the minis from that set are cool they're very exciting mm. the new rules are rad the new elder gods you own are it, sweet though, right? We own it. Both of us do. But the base game is so comprehensive and so easy to teach that we've just never bothered.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Like Rising Sun, I have six boxes, five boxes, four boxes worth of stuff. Right. And I just, I haven't got to it all yet. I got five boxes worth of stuff. I've cracked maybe three of them I've used. Same kind of thing.
0: So when Chris said, here we go, here's Agents of Arkham, the new expansion, we're like, yeah, finally an opportunity to A, play with someone who really knows what they're doing. (laughs) <laughs> like I think that's part of the reason that we that we haven't used base from beyond yet is because we don't have a group that knows what they're doing that meets regularly mm-hmm. enough to know or to appreciate that game or to Be they appreciate Yeah, exactly. Um so Agents that's of right. Arkham inter- reintroduces, I should say, the investigators. Now, the investigators in Fate of the Elder Gods, we've talked about this before, they are the bad guys, but they're very I'm going to say computer controlled. What they do right. in the base game is very regimented. Like Every turn, no matter where you go, there's always an investigator chasing you through town. If there's ever three on a space, they come and hang out in your lodge. If there's ever five in your lodge, you get raided. Very straightforward. Ages of Arkham hands the investigators to a player. Not only are we adding a new player here, but the investigators now have options. Does it increase the player count? It does, potentially. By one? Yep, okay. it can go now up to five players. Um, which is very convenient because there are five slots in the game tray that comes in the box. So you're not really adding any components per se, but you're adding another player who's now in control of those investigators trying to seal out the Elder Gods. Right. The Elder Gods now have a new responsibility. They kind of have to work together a little bit to sort of make sure the investigators are strategically waylaid enough so that one of the Elder Gods can arrive and end of the world now it's still up in the air which of the elder gods is actually going to show up and bring the they're strictly different or strictly better depending on your perspective <laughs> uh, end of the world but all perspective they're they're now like there's more pressure from the agents of arkham who are running around the board trying to collect elder signs and prevent the end of the world they're strategically putting elder signs on various lodges and they are also collecting clues by doing sp- specific things. They have a little paddy wagon that drives around the edge of the board and uh, is, is really, it's a cute addition. Um, we were using is it a mini? Um, the, we were using a mini. I believe the final production copy will contain a mini. Um, okay. But from what I understand, it's the only mini that's showing up in that box. You're going to get three new Elder Gods, okay. one of which is my all-time favorite, Cthuga, and he is built in, to directly compete with Ithakwa. So now you have Cthuga, the Living Star, and Athakwa, the Living Storm. So you have fire and ice tokens moving around the board, interacting with each other. There's one that's like brings darkness or something weird like that. Uh, we didn't get to play it with that. Sounds him. like there's about to be a Game of Thrones crossover, doesn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Agents of Arkham looks really, really cool. And I cannot yeah. wait to... Uh, like Your excitement about Fireball Island... Is about the same level as my uh, as mine is for Agents of Arkham.
1: Yeah, I actually I got to talk to Chris about Agents of Arkham after after you guys had demoed it because he was still kind of tweaking things at that point. Right. In fact, I believe uh, he, he we made some a few changes on the fly during our game. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess he he made it either more difficult for the agents to get clues or yep. made them need more clues or started them with less clues. Uh, I'm not sure. Sort of all of the above
0: in, in, in yeah in one way. or another. Okay. But, yeah, I, th- I thought that, that sounded uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be really cool. And, it, like, I honestly think Agents of Arkham might be more playable, like, for, for a more green group than uh, Beasts from Beyond. Beasts? But, okay. like, only time will tell. Yeah, well, I mean, you're going to have to try Beasts in order to make that call. Correct. And, and so... I think <laughs> with, with Gen Con coming up in a, in a couple of weeks, uh, Alex we and I, I have it. already reached out to Chris and we've challenged him to Beasts from Beyond. <laughs> to, to get that to the table. So we'll let you know how that goes. Probably not Yeah, well. please.
1: <laughs> well, when I was talking to Chris, after we were done discussing Agents of Arkham, some other people from the booth came over and asked if they could play the
0: demo of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. I forgot that one's coming out. I'm so excited yeah. for Oblivion to come out, Sentinels of Multiverse, so, Oblivion. That I completely forgot that uh, Greater Than Games has that outstanding as well.
1: I jumped out of my chair when I heard
0: that he had a copy there. Oh uh, yeah, I <laughs> mean because, that's that so, kind of thing is well, not just your jam, mine as well. Like I, yeah. I remember you and I were both like hopelessly broke when that right was on, on Kickstarter. Right on the
1: fence. I just I kind of wish. Okay, so it was it was kind of a pricey game seventy mm-hmm. seventy plus dollars right right seventy yeah. something bucks like that. or something. And I I just didn't pull the trigger because it seemed too much like
0: Descent for me to justify the price. Just between being story-driven and things like that. Yeah, I gotcha.
1: Right, right. And I think you can easily draw comparisons to Descent. Right, But it is... I don't want to say too much because, again, it is story-driven. So I only got to play the first quest. But it is certainly more horror-based than Descent. So in Descent, you fight things like zombies, and you fight skeletons, and you fight demons. But they're not really scary. They're more fantasy. Sure, sure. And, you know, you're a hero with armor and weapons, and it's your job to rush at these things and fight them. Well, in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow... Uh, You've got character archetypes, like you've got the healer, the range person, the tank, those type of things. The monsters are very difficult, and the first time we played, we actually lost, and, and pretty quickly, just because we had some bad luck, we got swarmed by these giant pumpkin- monster things like vine creatures, tree creatures, scarecrowy things
0: with so pumpkin I, I'm, heads. I'm picturing like green goblin or sorry, hobgoblin from Spider-Man uh fused with piranha plants from Mario.
1: I'm thinking kind of like yeah, I don't know. Like
0: <laughs> like a jack
1: Skellington when he's the pumpkin king. Oh, okay, that
0: makes more sense. Head. Yeah, sure. Anyway. Sure, sure, sure.
1: It's those things and then and then some little some little monster but we we died. I straight up got killed because they don't pull their punches and uh in the beginning of the game you go and you're kind of investigating i don't want to ruin the story but it's almost like you're not expecting and you're not prepared for what you find you have equipment to handle the situation but you aren't well equipped Okay, sure, sure, Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But you end up doing the the thing, and, like, it it works in the the story. It kind of does its own thing. So Mm -hmm. it's a little dungeon crawly, and it introduces elements from the story, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Ichabod Crane kind of stories. Yeah, for sure. Or story. Really cool. And after playing it, I was sad I didn't back it, because even though it was another dungeon crawl, it had, I felt, a distinct feel uh it felt different than playing a game like descent sure yeah although at the end of the quest you got to level up and it's sort of like descent but in descent you're buying equipment and this and that in this game you get to pick abilities and so even though you start with these archetypes like the healer the tank the archer etc as you take your character through the campaign you can pick different abilities and weapons and there's like You know, sort of branch out and the different tree, you can customize your character a little bit and do different builds. Okay, sure. So, you know, even if I play an archer, I can go through a couple campaigns and come out the other end with a completely different character. See,
0: I like that. Uh, I've been playing a couple of different uh, RPGs lately that allow for that sort of character development like you can take almost an established yeah. idea and sort of take it in your own direction i just i appreciate that. and that's
1: what i think this does it takes it takes that dungeon crawl and i'm sure i mean i've, I've heard of other horror themed dungeon crawls out there i've just never played one before mm-hmm. but it was it was nice how strong the flavor came through and i love the art that was gorgeous
0: yeah oh yeah the arts really cool in fact uh one of my friends yeah. does some of the like I, I don't know exactly what her involvement was was but she did she was commissioned for some of the artwork for that property some of the artwork yeah there is another thing in that game this was a not a
1: theme or a flavor thing this was a mechanic and i really liked the way it was done so the game runs on action points say i have six action points right and there's i have some special abilities like a powered up shot or i can heal the group you know, for everybody in my space heals up, that type of stuff. Yeah. So those are kind of one-offs and you put your action point, your token on that thing. And then there are things you can always do, like just basic combat moves, searching, different kinds of things. And so what happens is you're placing your action points on this board. And then the way you get those one-off abilities back is to spend all of your action points so when you have no more action points to spend you scoop them all up and then you start over so it basically frees up your board well the way fear works in this game is a lot of games it will affect your dice rolls or your movement stuff like that Mm -hmm. what this game does with fear is it gives you more action points
0: so like the more afraid you are the more you can do
1: well kind of the yes but kind of the less you can do as you're building up your board once you use those one shots those powerful things you can't use those again until all your action points are used so you end up using lesser weaker abilities more often in an effort to spend the points to get your good powerful stuff back huh so i'll use like a, a really strong attack but I won't be able to use it again for if I'm completely okay for like five more rounds. Right. But as the fear keeps piling up, all of a sudden I can use that attack once every six rounds, now every eight rounds. And so that fear just keeps piling on. And the more you have, the longer and longer and longer it takes for you to get those special abilities back. And you also, you're burning tokens. you You can spend action just, I guess, calming down. But you're essentially wasting a whole turn to get rid of other things so you can take less turns so you can do better stuff later it's a really interesting mechanic and uh, one that I haven't seen used quite that way before that's neat that's really interesting I thought so so I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit bummed I didn't back in on Kickstarter and uh, I think when it when it hits the shelves I'm gonna take a good hard look at it because uh, it was really good it was really good it was a lot of fun and especially for somebody because I just I love horror so much right yeah that it was it was right up my alley I'll
0: probably uh, I'll, I'll, I'll actively work to play that at gen con because that really really does sound quite fascinating
1: yeah i mean if he's got the demo if he's got the demo ask if you can get in on a game yeah because I, I like i said that. it was it, it it was only the demo so i only got to do like the first mission right of course uh, and and but it, here's the thing it left me wanting to keep going with the story which is a which is a real positive thing
0: oh absolutely so yeah i can't think of any higher uh, praise really for a story driven game
1: yeah i i wanted to play again right away there just wasn't anything else to play.
0: <laughs> fair. So,
1: <laughs> That's fair. Uh,
0: Hopefully there will be by Gen Con. Fingers crossed.
1: Here's another thing, though. Uh, speaking of horror games, this is a little unconventional. It's not really a board game, but I purchased a game called Empty Faces. Okay, I've never Have heard of that Have you heard one. of that? No. No. Okay, so Empty Faces... A few years ago, I think 2014, These this group of people came up with this game called Hunt a Killer. Okay. Hunt a Killer. Yep. And what they do... Is you're basically you play as detectives and you were trying to track down a murderer but it's episodic so you pay for a season and then once a month you get a box in the mail with stuff to do and so empty faces is the same people and but it's instead of uh, being kind of detective it's horror themed oh weird and I purchased the first season so it's gonna be five months I'm gonna get one box a month for five months and we got our first box and Jesse and I worked on it together the puzzles and whatnot and I don't because it is story driven I don't want to give anything away right but it's a little bit pricey. I think it was a, maybe 130 or 140 It ended up coming out to just under $30 a month, which isn't terrible because we, we got a couple hours out of the first box. Sure. Yeah. But I was really worried about the price. After playing the first box, no regrets, at least so far. We had such a good time with the first one and it was so unlike just it, it didn't really I don't know what I was expecting. Right. but it didn't meet any expectations it was really cool and really interesting and I had a hard time pulling the trigger too because I had a hard time finding reviews online that okay. kind of told me about things and I was worried it wouldn't be worth it but what ended up finally convincing me was I found a review for Hunt a Killer and in the picture the girl posted she had a black light and mm-hmm. was doing like fingerprint dusting huh. as part of the game so I was like "That's that's good enough for me picked up empty faces and it's really cool and it's also we're not done there are parts in the first box parts of the puzzle we can't solve until we get more information later on so not only did we get a couple hours worth of entertainment out of that box but we're not finished with it we just have to wait further down the road sure yeah and it, it's cool there's there's a bunch of stuff in the box but you also have to go outside of what they give you oh, and wow. do like legitimate online research Huh, and to, to discover things, and we have to like, I don't know, I, I don't want to spoil it. I, yeah, no, but that's... um, but if I just this is more for if if anybody, so it's emptyfaces.com and there's huntakiller.com. You can you can Google it, but if you were kind of on the fence about it, uh, it's got my recommendation. I'm really happy I did it, so
0: right on. Now, does, does that yeah. have so you say it's got X number of boxes coming in? How, how many months did you say? So you can go monthly. Okay. And it's one of those you can cancel at any time type
1: things. Okay. But you can go monthly, and if you do that, it's $30 a month. And a season is five. Okay. But so, okay. if you... Uh, five months. But if you buy the whole season up front, then you get, I think, $10 off. So it becomes 140 Shipping is included. That's, and then that's if bad. you buy... There's there's two seasons of Empty Faces. So if you buy both seasons up front, I think it's 130 130 Okay. I, I went with the one season, um, and I'm glad I did because because I would have kept going. <laughs>
0: well, okay, so that that's my question is yeah, yeah does does it keep going after a season or does, like, a whole new story start? A whole new story. So
1: each season is self-contained, and what they end up doing is, like, right now if you do Hunt a Killer, if you just buy one season... Mm-hmm. You'll get a story called The Woods. That's what it's called. It's called The okay. Woods. That's not a spoiler. So you'll get the five pieces. If you go to Hunt a Killer right now, I think you get to pick because they'll they'll have... There's different themes. There's like 60s themes and 70s themes. And sure. There's different... There's just different themes. And I think you can pick the story that you want. Oh, neat. Uh, I'm not sure you can do that with Empty Faces yet because they only have two of them out. Right, right, um, right. Well, I was just I, I I've heard of Puzzle Box before, which is the box of puzzles sent to your house every month. Yeah. I was looking at another one called Mysterious Package Company, uh, but that price range was about two hundred and thirty dollars on the low end. Yeah. So kind of pricey. I've I've heard nothing but great things uh, review wise. Yeah. But it, it's kind of a steep price. But Empty Faces, you know, I had a little more money coming my way. I thought, okay, this is kind of a something I've been interested in for for a while. So, because I think I discovered it at Thanksgiving and I didn't pull the
0: trigger on it until uh, June. Right.
1: But, but it has, it's got my recommendation.
0: I really like that idea as like, hey, if you like this, here's more. Yeah. I think yeah. that brings us to our main topic for the day. Now, <laughs> we, we went a little long on the, the overview. But so maybe we split this into two topics, because or two two episodes, because I think this is a really important topic, and I and I'm fond of it. Um, oh wow, we
1: are we are far into the episode, aren't we?
0: We are. <laughs> so what I wanted to talk about is expansion archetypes and the way that that game companies look to expand existing product, mm. and that empty faces idea sounds very much like a more of the same. Like if you're used to one sort of format, expanding or I guess almost spinning off in that case, gives you more of the same type of experience, but it's still a whole new experience.
1: Yeah, Mysterium was like that. The expansion I got from Mysterium. Go on. Just more of the same. It didn't add any new mechanics at all. Just more artwork. So more weapons, more rooms, more characters, that type of stuff. But it didn't change the game in any way. But I guess there's another expansion that is going to add a new mechanic. And sometimes that's good, but right now I don't need that for Mysterium because I really like the way it's played. Right, sure. You know, if I I played it so much that it just kind of got stale for me, might be a good time to go and look at that new expansion with that new mechanic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sort of
1: breathe some life back into the game.
0: And I think about that in terms of, like, I mentioned Fate of the Elder Gods having Agents of Arkham coming out. Yeah. of Arkham yeah. really—I mean, not only does that provide more of the same in that it's given you get more Elder Gods, Cthugha right. was my example earlier—but it like it changes the number of players as well, which I think is another archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was like the Fireball Island one. Absolutely, having more players doesn't necessarily mean bad in the same way that Leaders of Euphoria did. Like again, I think right. that eight players for Leaders of Euphoria is too many, but five players for Fate of the Elder Gods. In a manner of speaking, even in the, even out of the base box, you've still got five players. One of them is just a computer player, right? And Agents of Arkham just adds a human element to that computer. That's true. Idea.
1: The AI, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it also changes the complexity because it gives the elder gods or the the cultist players something else that they need to pay attention to. Right. And I think that's the other, the third, like big category. There's a couple of other smaller subcategories, almost. One of them would be modular gameplay, which sort of falls under the more of the same category, largely. Yeah. But it can also, you know, add complexity. Well, I think I think depending on how broad a, a brush.
1: So you remember Escape the Dark Castle? Love that game. I brought it to your house that, that one time, and uh, yeah, that was a great game. So uh, Corey and Jess came over. Sure. And we, we were having a... It was like towards the end of the night, and they were like, we got time for one short game do you want to play Hanabi? And I love Hanabi. I've played it a million times, but I was like, actually, I got this other game that you haven't tried and I pulled out Escape the Dark Castle. And so I taught them the game. We played a round. They loved it so much. They immediately wanted to play again. So nice. we played another round and we kept the cards that we'd come across out so that we had a whole fresh...
0: Look. Fresh start. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Good move. Good and, move. Then,
1: uh, and then I was telling them that there was actually, at the time... A Kickstarter because they're coming out with two new expansions so so when I got Escape the Dark Castle originally I found the early bird special backed it wasn't quite sure ended up keeping it super glad I did but I didn't buy the expansion for it because it's kind of a pricey game. I think I said to you, it's it's mostly cards, a few mm-hmm. chunky dice and a few other things, but it's mostly cards. And to be and fair, those
0: it, cards have terrific artwork on them.
1: Terrific art and they're good quality and they're they're big cards. They're yeah. not just playing cards. They're terrible size, uh, aren't they? Roughly. I, i think they're tarot size they might even... yeah i think they're tarot size i'm wondering if they're even a little bigger probably yeah. not they're probably tarot size but i wasn't sure i wasn't sure i wanted to spend that money because and i was saying to you uh, i actually went on kickstarter and i backed the the latest thing so i'm getting the two new expansions mm-hmm. i'm getting a big box that holds everything oh that's and they said they're gonna open it up so that i'll be able to purchase the um first expansion that i missed oh nice but they they let everything go like you could go on that that kickstarter you could have bought the base game again and the kickstarter i think this time you had to buy the kickstarter upgrade kit sure that makes sense but you could still get it so i but i was telling Corey, i went and i backed those immediately and he was he was considering i think especially jess really got into it and was considering uh going and purchasing all
0: of it well i mean joff and i really liked it too it's 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 so quick and easy and any kind of a story driven game it's very mm-hmm. easy to add a more of the same expansion. I'm thinking of yeah. uh, Secrets of the Lost Tomb or Secrets of the Lost Station. Secrets of the Lost Station, we got an email right. from uh, Chris Batarlis at Everything Epic Games. He is so over the moon about the sheer <laughs> number of, ex- of of stories that are contained within that Secrets of the Lost Station box that's coming yeah. out very soon. He's, he's boasting, like, months of gameplay right. in this box. And, like... Alex and I are very excited. I'm sure you are, too, because you're certainly going to be able to play it. Yeah, I'd like to give that a try. Obviously, the first couple of times, you know, we're, we're, we'll close the group and, and, like, say, all right, people who have played <laughs> Secrets of the Lost Tomb and Doug can come to the table <laughs> and play Secrets of the Lost Get Station. Get a special invite. Well, just because, like... I'm a quick learner. <laughs> you are a quick learner. And, and like, even the, with that ridiculous Arkham horror game that, that we played at my bachelor party, long-winded as that game can be, you were, you were still at least paying some attention and had some general general... general semblance of what was going on of what was going on yeah yeah um and i think i think that'll carry over very nicely to secrets of the lost station but (laughs) yeah uh it's with story-driven games i find that it's it's rather difficult to alter the complexity level without adding an insane number of new components
1: yeah well escape the dark castle i think they're adding i think the different um expansions the new ones are adding really small mechanics but it's like a guy hits you and you can be poisoned and you have to like find an antidote or something i'm not sure how it works i haven't seen it but i think it adds real small changes to the mechanics but without changing like the overall gameplay mechanics that seems like a yeah. very
0: like simple change like you change very the way a diary re- a die result looks you know that right. doesn't change exactly. the way that you go about playing the game in the right. way that, for example, I'm thinking of well, Blood Bowl team manager. Okay, um, Blood Bowl team manager. Like, okay, first of all, you're you're not adding new players. You're just adding different races. So on the surface, it would seem like a more of the same sort of variety idea. Right. But what it really does is the the teams interact in a different way. For example, mm-hmm. the dwarfs are fundamentally different than the Chaos Dwarfs. It's been right. a while since I've played that game, so I don't really ex- remember exactly how that how that difference shakes out. Mm-hmm. But the way that you have to react to the players that are showing up on the board is completely different right. than what you would expect. So that Chaos Dwarf undead... Uh, um, I'm forgetting what... Uh, Dark Elf expansions mm-hmm. definitely completely change the way that you play the game. And it provides... Almost a modular gameplay. Like, there's only four players in that game, maybe five. I think there's five now. They they did add another player. Um, okay. So you're limited to the number of players that are or the number of teams that are going to show up, and the gameplay, like the the uh, play, the assign a player to a specific uh, headline doesn't change, but the way okay. that you react to the gameplay changes. Changes. And I think that's interesting. That's that's how I look at the sort of modular gameplay that a lot of companies are using these days to expand on their product. Does it get overly complicated, or is it pretty simple to keep track of?
1: Well, it's all on the card, though, right? It's all on the card, and... uh, Yeah, I I was just gonna... I think, like, Battle Lore is the same way. Like, it added... They added the undead army, Mm. and and they added some more things to the other armies, too. But it it does change some of the mechanics, but everything... For the most part, most of what you need to know is on a little reference card in front of you. So the core gameplay and objective stays the same, and the changes are right there on a card. So it adds variety, but it doesn't doesn't feel overwhelming. There's new stuff to learn, but you're never bogged down.
0: Yeah. The one thing that I think does happen, though, sometimes when you try to do many more of the same expansions is you get into a situation where you get like killer bunnies or star realms or something like that <laughs> or dominion
1: i i would i would i don't i haven't played enough dominion expansions to know i know killer bunnies was really good they kept adding things but it got to the point where i don't know was it orange or green whichever one comes first yeah stop after that one right because and, it just got too complicated
0: and star realms did exactly the same thing like They've been expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding to the yeah. point where they need to. They've uh, they just solicited in Game Trade Monthly this this month that there's a big box available for it. Right. And Alex and I looked at it and just started laughing. Yeah,
1: I I have I have some expansions for Star Realms. Yeah, I, think not I have the many. first
0: couple. They released. Yeah. They, they did a really neat thing with it where they uh, just like a little pack of cards. Yeah. Like that. It was just a little or pack two. of cards, and then they yeah. they did do another. You know, I say big box, but it's still just a standard sized deck box. Small. Um, okay. We'll say full box expansion. There you go. And But now there's just so many bits and bobs to it that you sit down for a game and you're like, uh, I forget what's in this box.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I also, and I worry t- sometimes too, this is a, a thing, like um, Ashes Rise of the born we've talked about how at first we both got everything and then it just got to the point where we couldn't keep up. We didn't play enough to make it even justified worth keeping up. With the expansion release schedule, which isn't really about expansions, I guess that's more about release schedules. Correct. Uh, but even even Rising Sun, I haven't I've played that game a bunch now, and there's just so much stuff I haven't even touched.
0: Well, I mean, I, th- I mean, any any Seamon game is going to do that to you. Yeah. I yeah. played Chad and I be- played Besieged a couple of times. Really loved it. Right. And honestly, like I've played more games of Zombie Side with those minis than I have with with Besieged <laughs> at this point, and I've only played you know two.
1: speaking of zombie side I got my
0: uh, horde box in
1: ooh sounds like we gotta get a game in pretty soon here so now now I've got I think 55 heroes good
0: crazy like how are you going to use all those
1: besieged you gave me over time I will use them and then I got the the friends and foes expansion which I haven't got to use yet uh, which Adds toxic toxic orc zombie and adds obviously new missions, new tiles, that sort of stuff, but also adds familiars for the heroes, so you can get a dog, a wolf, or a flying kitty cat, depending on your mood, which I think is really cool.
0: So, which one of our expansion archetypes would you put that that uh, horde box or th- that that under? Zombie says a little interesting because it's the only game I own
1: that I feel is like maybe Descent, but it's it's pure sandbox too. Like oh, after, I have I have forty missions that they it comes with, I think. And after that I can go online or I can make my own stuff. Because a bunch of that stuff in the horde box, especially on the villain side, isn't ever used in a quest. It's you can create Nexus and and you can use different abominations and you can use different necromancers with, you know, asymmetrical powers. Okay. If you just want to mix things up. Um so it it's I don't know, because on some level it's not really more of the same but it is also more of the same because it's a bunch of heroes and villains sure yeah but, okay but that they're all sense. but they're all different huh so i don't know and then like the there are quests in the uh friends and foes expansion so that's you know story driven as well right so i don't know i don't know i have an interesting one though go for it have you heard of a game
0: called Fresco? I mean, in our previous recording, I have, but let's That's for the sake right, of the argument say no. <laughs> okay.
1: That was a dumb question because we've talked about this game twice now. <laughs> um, so Fresco was a game that came out in 2010, and I guess it was up for the spiel. Um, I don't know if it won or not, but it's like a $60 game. There was a Memorial Day sale, I think on Miniature Market. I found it for 27 bucks, so I went ahead and grabbed it after reading some really positive... Reviews Mm -hmm. on Board Game Geek and and that sort of stuff. Uh so basically the game is about everybody plays a painter restoring the ceiling of this cathedral and you're trying to do the best job so that you get hired just by the Pope. (laughs) So but you're trying to essentially win the favor and and get the contract. But it's a Euro game, so it's victory points. And the reason I bring it up so basically what you do is is you go do different parts of the game. It's it's worker placement, but there's interesting mechanics. Like whoever's last gets to pick what time they wake up first. Uh, and that, what that does is it establishes the mood of your workers. Because okay. if they get really happy, oh. you get an extra one. If they get really sad, you lose one. Uh, so it does that, but it also establishes player turn order for the other parts of the round.
0: Oh, so very much in the way that uh, Railways of Germany works.
1: Yes. Okay. And what else does it do? It establishes how much you're going to pay for paint in the market.
0: Oh, early bird gets the worm kind of thing?
1: Then everybody goes to the market, then everybody... I don't remember the exact turn order, but you you can paint portraits, which is essentially just earn money. Okay. And then you can paint the ceiling which is earning victory points yeah and you can mix paints so, oh okay that makes sense. You know, yeah, if, if, to... if i have a a red and a yellow i can make an orange that makes sense
0: there you go uh isn't there like some ridiculously cool way you can sort of uh, almost ungruntle your employees too oh yeah that's the last part of it is you can send them to the theater because
1: everybody loves the theater. They didn't work all day, but you send people to the theater and it improves your mood by two. Which That's actually, hysterical. at first I thought that wasn't going to be that big a deal, but it's they're kind of temperamental. <laughs> like, you, you find yourself doing certain things to uh, keep them happy and you didn't think that would be part of the game as much as it is. It's it's a little surprising, but in a good way. Right, 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 right. There was more depth there. But the reason I I bring this game up is because, so the version I got, three expansions come in the box. So just not part of the base game. I guess they were originally released on their own, but now eight years later, whatever version this is, they're just included right in there. And everybody said, go ahead and play with them uh, after your first game. And they do things like they add more color paints. uh, They add more complicated tiles in the cathedral with higher scores. When you go to paint a portrait, sometimes if you can get there, if you're one of the first two to get there, you can paint portraits. And some of those portraits will give you either one-time bonuses or... Smaller bonuses that last you for the game. Right, right, right. Um, that type. There's, there's different things you can do. So there's three expansions, right away. They're modular. You can add one. You can add two. You can add three. You could add none. Uh, everybody said to play with them. I got a lot of fun out of the base game without any of them. And I kind of am in the mood to keep playing that way for a little while and then toss those expansions in when I want to spice it up a
0: little. Be it forever known. Tell, tell Doug to play with an expansion. He won't. And I won't. He'll do exactly the opposite, (laughs) which to be fair, the fresco made me think, and this is very nonlinear thinking, I suppose, but (laughs) it made me think of uh, the board game Firefly. Now,
1: Oh, I am yeah. a
0: tremendous fan of Firefly. I love the show. I love the comics. Just everything Firefly, gimme, gimme, gimme. In fact, I have Wash's dinosaurs on my desk at work. They keep me happy. Um, and they talk to each other. And the students love that. But I digress. Until they betray you. Well, you know, curse your sudden but inevitable. Um, <laughs> so regularly, our friend Megan wants to do Firefly Days. Firefly, yeah. And when she says Firefly Days, she means the whole thing. The whole day, yeah. Now, the reason it takes so long is because she insists on playing with all of the expansions. Yeah. Those of us who have the game and bought it from the store I work at, we all yeah. have the whole game. <laughs> See, I, I don't. Well, you didn't buy it from Collectibles, did
1: you? No, I, I, bought it, I bought it elsewhere. Uh, And so what I have is I have the base game. I have the, the very small Breaking Atmo yep. expansion. And then I have the... Uh, I'll say medium-sized box. What's it called? Pirates, Pirates and, Bounty and Bounty Hunters. B- yeah, Bounty Hunters. Now,
0: yes. see, and I think the reason that you stopped there is because Jack and I have been very vocal about the fact that <laughs> that base game and the Pirates and Bounty Hunters and the, you know the little box, the little card pack Breaking or Angel. whatever yeah. expansions are worth having. Everything yeah. else just spreads you out to the point where you're basically not interacting with the other players anymore. the mm. The two notable expansions are uh, Blue Sun and Kalidasa. Blue Sun, yeah. that add new basically new board components in fact they are new board components yeah they're big pieces of the board you add on right yeah and are they cool well yes they're very cool they add new uh new people you can get in good with and get jobs from and and new areas to explore and one of them adds three more reavers and all kinds of other cool stuff but you're so far away from the other players at that point that it's just silly. No player interaction. It, you, it takes you so far away from the, the core, the center of the verse, that you might as well just not even be playing with anybody else.
1: So at that point, it just becomes a race, too. Yeah. Well, and uh, some people said that the original Firefly game was kind of like that. It, there was some player interaction, but the, the uh, Pirates and Bounty Hunters. Pirates and Bounty Hunters it, allows you more. to
0: really get nitty gritty or yeah. get, get gritty with, with the other players um, in that it allows you to assassinate a crew member or gruntle right. some, or, or disgruntle some crew members and that's that's where the, the connection to Fresco is the gruntling right <laughs> which is I, I, colloquial there it is folks (laughs) (laughs) so our friend megan loves to just sit on the one location until she gets simon and river and basically runs away with the game at that point so eric and i found a very nice way to counter that is to just go ram into their go ram into her ship and steal them or kill them (laughs) because then they're out of the game and then they don't matter anymore um there are several cards in the firefly game where it says do you have simon do you have river if not you're you're in trouble right yeah
1: they're very powerful the
0: ability to just sit on the one location until you get those two cards is a little sort of against the against the point of the game can you can you sort of
1: play an aggro style and race to complete your jobs so that she
0: not the jobs take not, so long not yeah they do they take a while it basically doesn't matter because you in order to complete a job you have to pick up some number of crew members right and right that's true. You're just, like, in the time that it takes you to amount the, the crew members, it's basically the, the amount of time it takes someone else to get Simon River. So it's...
1: I guess they should have split those two up then. So at see, least that's what I thought.
0: Travel. And, uh, because they hail from the same location. Right. I think it Gale Force sense. 9 is pretty, does this pretty regularly. Like, if it makes sense from a story perspective, they force it to make sense from a gaming perspective. From a game perspective. Yeah. Uh, which is definitely not the way you want to do it.
1: Yeah, I just, I haven't played against that strategy yet. I haven't seen that. But I would I would recommend, though, I mean, even just to counter that, if you were going to buy one expansion for that game.
0: If you're going to buy um, one expansion to that, that game. Pirates and Bounty Hunters. Make it Pirates and Bounty Hunters. It is so much know. fun to just, like, because you feel like doing pirate stuff. If you're in the Fireflyverse, you want to be doing pirate stuff. And that, yes. you know, having bounties out on people and, you know, slamming into people and going player versus player, it's yeah. as, as much as, Megan gripes about it it's a lot of fun
1: well she's gonna grip. it's pro. I wonder how much of it was a direct counter I wonder if people were playing the base game I wonder if Gale Force 9 the developers of this game were hearing that complaint and you know without I mean this is pure speculation but I wonder if they heard this complaint and and Pirates and Bounty Hunters was a direct counter to that
0: strategy I hadn't actually considered is, that is, is you know, that a possibility like a, like a right? balance mechanic streamlining kind of thing right
1: like they just were like this is a serious problem. How do we fix it? And now that I'm Make thinking back, Pirates and viable. bounty hunters
0: did show up on the scene like really all of a sudden. It was pretty quick. <laughs> so yeah, that might I, I hadn't even considered that. That might be worth researching.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe there's like a designer journal or something out there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It it could just be
0: that more player interaction was wanted. There have definitely been Firefly yeah. days where yeah. uh, Eric and I are like, all right, we're going pirate right off the bat, and <laughs> and uh, someone at the table will say. Oh, we took the pirates and bounty hunters out because we're not doing that. Uh, like, Do you ever well, play merchants and marauders? Oh, once. Yeah, that, that
1: that's a fun game where you get to pick, and they they came out with a big box expansion of that that I haven't got to use yet. Mm-hmm. I've I don't own it. Oh, I've okay. never played with it. I just I own the base game. I'm just wondering because I like that game. You can kind of pick the different play style.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I too. think same thing. Just considering where I'm at with my board game collection right now. Like the expansions that I look for are really the more of the same st- style mm. because I want a, to get more people to the table, but I also want to be able to enjoy this, the experience over and over again myself. Right. Uh, and, and being that I'm mostly playing with a, like, I don't have a consistent group anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's having that variety is, is pretty nice. Where Where are you at with like, what's, what's your. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of, I think it's really game and really
1: expansion dependent okay because i don't know if it's like a really simple game and i want it want to add complexity sometimes i like that sure. if, if the game is gone a little stale but other times there are expansions that add complexity and i'm like it's just too complex this isn't what i'm looking for in an expansion uh-huh. i really want just more of the same you know what i mean yeah absolutely so like i, I guess more of the same that adds some variety is good maybe small tweaks yeah um
0: some streamlining is often good. Yeah, I remember Twilight Imperium uh, Third Edition did that. the mm. The second expansion for that really yeah. streamlined it, and to the point where the people who were who I played with from time to time were like, "We're never playing without this this expansion." Like it just right. doesn't make any sense otherwise.
1: And then, so I don't know. I think it's really it's really kind of game dependent yeah uh i don't i don't have like a a, seven but i can but i can say i can remember specific times where i'm like i don't want to buy this expansion because it's just gonna take a game that i really like and change the mechanics too much and i think if you change the mechanics too much you're not even playing
0: the same game right right and yeah i mean i level i used to be like eric and just you know anytime something came out for a game that I really liked, yeah. I would have to buy it. And now I'm, I'm I'm being a little bit more picky and choosy. Yeah, I've, I've been that way for a while. I'm starting to recognize that there are those the, these different categories of expansions and some are worthwhile yeah. and, and others are not.
1: And it's just even like Firefly, I stopped after um, Pirates and Bounty Hunters because A, I was really happy where the game was at that point. Mm-hmm. But B, I also wasn't playing it enough, I felt, right. to justify spending another... Probably hundred bucks, sixty, or so. yeah, sixty to eighty to a hundred dollars to grab the whole bundle. Right. So, so at that point, what am I doing? What am, I'm just adding to my collection for what purpose? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, exactly. I'm really happy where this game is. I'm not bored with it, and I'm not getting it to the table enough to spend another hundred
0: dollars. Right. On it. It's a topic that's worth coming back to, but like now that we have these expansion archetypes established, we can mention this in like as we talk about you know new product and things like that new, th- new things we've played we can sort of pit, put those exp- put any expansions that we play into these categories and really make that a theme on the show almost we'll definitely come back to these archetypes and, and talk more about them but uh, for now if you want to check out older episodes of the podcast head on over to ghostshipradio.com and to see some of our other work facebook.com forward slash another letdown is the place to be for that adjacent hex is published monthly by ghost ship radio and is produced by another letdown media Music for Adjacent Hex is produced by our good friend Jean-Marc Giffen and used with permission. If you have some feedback for us, you can reach us on Twitter. My name is at D-E-N-O-N-C-Z-D and Doug is at I-T-S-O-K-T-O-L-A-F-F and our hashtag is hashtag Adjacent Hex. Coming up soon on the hashtag Adjacent Hex thread, I will be posting pictures of some uh, current mini painting projects I'm working on as well as some artwork and pictures from our weekly RPG games. If you liked what you hear, make sure to subscribe and share with your friends on social media and in person. Also, make sure to drop by the Ghost Ship Radio website, where you can find a link to our Patreon. If you have something a bit longer to say to us, feel free to send us an email at theadjacenthex at gmail.com. From all of us here at Adjacent Hex, happy gaming, and we will talk to you next month.
1: I really wish they had done Elves for Battle Lore. That would have been a great expansion. Wow. Um. Here's something I'm not getting paid for, but the digital version of Scythe came out. Really, really translate well from the board game, though. Um, and then a third shout-out, and this is kind of a, an announcement. Uh, so on Ghost Ship Radio, we do a show Vic Valentine. Yeah. Uh, we've actually been picked up by Hatbox Theater, and we'll be doing three live performances in 2019. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot so about that. I think it's January, one in January, one in February, one in March, or one in January, one in March, one in April. I'm not sure. The schedule is on Hatbox, um, but if you're in the in the area, Concord, New Hampshire, is where Hatbox is. We will be doing shows, and we'll have more details on that on the Go Ship. You
0: know. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be involved in that some way in terms of live recording and stuff like that. So yeah,
1: we're excited about it.
0: Uh, so that's sick.
1: Uh, keep your eye out for that. All right. This show is part of the Ghost Ship Radio Network. For more information, go to ghostshipradio.com.